0: Welcome to the Weekend Watch List here on Intercut, the weekly show going through the movies, entertainment, and TV that people just can't cut away from. I'm your co-host, Arturo Zurita, and joining me, if he chooses to accept this mission... Of like a dozen movies a week. It's Zachary <laughs> Shevich.
1: This hey, podcast bro. will self-destruct in, in five ten. seconds.
0: <laughs> How's it going, uh, man? It's been a couple now, weeks. I was going to say that we were now in 70 millimeter. If you just Ooh. scroll down to your settings, it's a feature only in some locations. You might need mm-hmm. a VPN for it, but you'll see a, a little grain come up on some of the stuff there. <laughs> just check it, it might your, your local be listings. <laughs> Make yeah. sure
1: you're getting the right screening. You don't accidentally end up in a regular digital projection. You do not you know? want that. Uh, you yeah. also
0: don't want the thing effect happening mm. over here, so make sure you get the full screen. Uh, but speaking of, there is so many movies that have been coming out uh, now that we're in the midst of July, and we've been out for a couple of weeks. We haven't mm-hmm. been without content. We've had massive just breaking down everything that's been out for the last six, seven months uh, in terms of the best movies, the best TV with Amanda the, the Jedi. We had movie files on, and we talked with Elliot yeah. about the Best movie stars over 40. I don't want to spoil who it was, but um, it, it was someone who's still running the box office. I, I yeah. like. I woke up in the middle of the night and I was just like, who did we give it to again? Because it was such <laughs> a close match towards the end. But I think we gave it to the right person. Yeah. Any
1: regrets from our, our best movie stars 50 and over bracket? I, I think my one regret is that we didn't put Mads Mikkelsen on it. That That's a good call. We totally should have. He could have been in there instead of Ben Mendelsohn.
0: What was the movie that he led?
1: Uh, uh, one of our favorite movies the best foreign language uh, contender. I'm forgetting the name of it right now
0: the only thing that I would have said is I I think the approach that we really honed in with uh, halfway through and it's Mm -hmm. one thing that you and I have had in the back of our minds when we do those brackets is the idea that we're coming at it as producers a lot of people are like oh but I'm a fan of this person well, yeah. I mean, that's going to vary in a bunch of different ways, mm-hmm. right? But it's like we specifically approach it from the producer's mindset, and I wish that I, I would have said more arguments for who we were going with just based off that, because uh, yeah. I would have given to Tony Collette. But other than that, <laughs> we have a bunch of videos that we've been posting up, um, a bunch of shorts as well. But, of course, we got to recap a lot of the movies that have come out this week because then there's going to be like a dozen more coming out right afterwards. But, Zach, <laughs> other than the movies and the TV and the streaming and the VODs and the theaters – Anything new with you for the summer? Now that we're midway through twenty twenty three, not much, man. Just just getting
1: outside. It's it's hot. I don't know if the the heat has really made its way to Chicago, but it's like that oppressive hot that I can't stay outside for too long in anymore.
0: That dust y'all send our way, it came back. Oh, yeah, it's
1: we disgusting. got a little bit of it today too. It, the air quality not not in our favor right now.
0: Yeah, we've also had tornadoes. I don't know if y'all get a lot of that, but not really you guys. A- then.
1: We got a tornado warning, which is, like, the closest we get around here. But
0: Yeah, we had the alarms going off. They said that they were going to change the Chicago Bears to the Chicago Tornadoes because they'd they'd make more touchdowns than the Bears would. So that's been what we've been dealing over here in the Great Plains. But um, in terms of some of the big movies that are coming on the horizon, I know you're still going to be traveling. I'm going to be traveling. I'm going to be going, like, different coasts as well, heading over to Seattle, which uh, I know has a a massive – Mm. Massive IMAX theater. You're lucky. You got a close one near you. But uh, are you going to be going to any new theaters uh, anytime soon?
1: You know, I I, uh, am going to be away from my home base in New York uh, and traveling to Virginia for Barbenheimer Day. So we're we're seeking out stuff in the Arlington area. But I I found a 70 millimeter, but... Don't worry, I've got my my tickets for next week on the big IMAX 70 millimeter in Lincoln Square. I'm gonna see Oppenheimer in the best way Paginal. It'll just be my my second screening of it.
0: Gotcha. Me, uh, we have our our screening tomorrow uh, for the city here, but then I am jealous. The, the closest ones that we have are literally gonna be sh- like Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: we 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 Michigan. get. In, we get into this situation sometimes, just by virtue of uh, the press screenings we get sent, where like they tend to not decide these things until maybe like two weeks or so before the movie is released. Bruh. And meanwhile, like if you've made your summer plans months in advance, oh, that's you <laughs> might have something booked on the same night as the Oppenheimer
0: screening. <laughs> that, yeah, that's completely relevant to them. You know what? We need we need a union, Zach. That's what we yeah. need because no yeah. one's going to defend that. Uh, <laughs> even like that was a big thing that a lot of critics were complaining about Oppenheimer and Barbie. Right. And uh Barbie's happening right now. I'm I'm sacrificing the Barbie uh screening which honestly scared me cuz I have not seen that many people in pink in one showing. So if that's what I have to look forward to on Getting Wednesday when up. I'm going to catch it <laughs> insane amount of pink but um yeah, I, I am looking forward to catching it in that IMAX 70mm, like Zach said. New York is lucky if you have that there. I will be going to Indianapolis. They have a really big museum that they claim Christopher Nolan himself sat there to test out. Uh, and I highly recommend, we'll probably put it down below, uh, as we mentioned it for Picks of the Week as well, to go to the IMAX uh, website that showcases the 30 theaters. There are only 30 prints of that IMAX 70mm that are going to be out there. I know the some 11 people mile get confused long by cut. it. 11-mile-long <laughs> cut. 600 pounds, right? I've heard people get, like, dismayed by it. They they feel very, like, against it because Mm -hmm. it's like they're being told that it's the wrong format to watch it in. But personally, A, like, sometimes I'll I'll travel somewhere, and I don't know why there's a line, but I don't want to go back home not having been in that line and trying whatever it is out. I know it may seem foreign to a lot of people, but if you can, try it, experience it, and then later figure out what's so cool about it. We talk about it here Mm -hmm. on the show. We'll talk about it later when we see it. Um, but, I, but I highly implore catching that, that uh, because most screenings are sold out for the next two weeks. So mm-hmm. at least there's three weeks as Tom Cruise has vented uh, to everybody. But speaking of the one and only Tom Cruise, let's talk about some of the movies that are out this week that let's have been coming it. out uh, in general. Beginning with that Mission Impossible movie, the seventh in the franchise that some people are saying is the penultimate. Dead Reckoning Part 2 is supposed to be the end of it all.
1: Um, Tom Cruise is certainly not saying it. He was saying he wants to keep making these movies until he's, what, 80?
0: That's what he said, but I've heard the man himself, Christopher McQuarrie. uh, They call him McHugh, which I thought was pretty cute. That Mm -hmm. uh, Mr. McHugh's been talking about um, that being the end of that, that that they're looking to wrap it up in that way. They've even been talking about some de-aging, which is a conversation for a more spoiler talk there. But uh, in order to expand and maybe finish what has been a lot of themes within the Mission Impossible franchise, they have set up what is an AI entity, something that Tom Cruise already vented about in Top Gun. And now he's like, you know what? I'm going to face it here. And with all the allegories dealing with Tom Cruise saving Hollywood, Tom Cruise fighting religion damn near in this movie, um, what was the thing that stood out to you the most? Or were you underwhelmed by it? We have not talked about Maybe it. was yeah. possible. I think I came out on it a
1: little bit. Uh, more excited than you because you got to see it ahead of me. So I, I I, heard your reaction and we both enjoyed it for sure because, yep. you know, we are fans of this type of filmmaking, this type of uh, big blockbuster action filmmaking where you can actually feel the, the reality of it. You can see that this isn't all created uh, in post in computers and whatever. Tom Cruise and uh, the many stunt people who are involved in these things—they they put their bodies on the line. They figure out how to capture these things in ways that kind of do feel like you're on the edge of danger in a lot of ways. And there's there's something really exhilarating to see uh, to seeing that kind of stunt work on on a big stage like this. It's different than you know your John Wicks, which are so much about the fight choreography. This is like got that sort of. Uh, almost like Buster Keaton-esque quality where there's things point, like yeah. crashing all around them. Uh, I, I thought this was like what maybe the funniest Mission Impossible film. There's a whole moment where a car flips up upside down, which is like a laugh out loud thing that I did not expect from this franchise. I had a really good time with them uh or, or with this movie in particular, uh, you know – even if it's not necessarily like the most comprehensible story or a story where I felt like I completely understood the stakes just Mm -hmm. in terms of like the, the tension and the pace of it, the way in which it is a globe trotting adventure that actually feels like a globe trotting adventure, not something that was completely faked with, you know, a second unit team and some clever CGI. I just really enjoyed my time uh, with mission impossible seven part one.
0: I was very skeptical going in or coming out of it the first time. I was like, oh, this is a lot goofier than I expected it to be. I also was coming at it from revisiting Fallout and Fallout. Be for real, Zach. Come on. That's the best one. It's the best one. Yeah. And I'm glad that so many people have been rewatching it uh, and just seeing like how leagues ahead of it they were with the, the practical effects and what they were doing there. And here, it took my second viewing to really see that. Oh, he's he's having a good time. He's goofing yeah. around with it. I think a lot of it is also going to rely on how part two comes into play because I have some yeah. theories in terms of where they're going to take characters and uh, really how again they may wrap up the franchise. But I think the cast is fantastic. Haley Atwell as a Hollywood crush over here, she mm-hmm. kills it in this movie. There has been kind of. A, a series of parallels, you had mentioned it too, and I agree with you 100% because I thought the same thing when I came out. There are way too many set pieces in all of these blockbuster movies. Another big one, besides the stairs, how you said in your tweet, is the female character who kind of gets in the way, but almost kind of helps the main character who's a brunette mm-hmm. and does all these crazy things. She's one of the best ones that we've got. Uh, yeah. I, I think I mean, it, it helps one... when
1: you cast Hailey Atwell in that role.
0: And you allow her to do what she should be doing, not like, Mm -hmm. you know, as she's been venting for some other franchises. Um, I thought the way that they were able to uh, have a lot of set pieces go up, uh, you know, just picking up the angst and every single one. They talked about this one that happens at the Dubai airport. I didn't realize it wasn't open. They opened it just for them. They were shooting in there uh, for the desert scene. With the, they did it like right in the back of the airport as well. Um, obviously, the big stunt that everyone's been talking about is the train seat or the uh, the one that is him getting onto the train. Yeah. But personally, I think the stunt that follows that, that does have a little CGI, mm-hmm. that's the standout. Yeah, I mean, it's
1: it. that's the thing, is, like, even though there is some CGI in it, they're able to give it a sense of reality. Like, maybe because it's so, like, it takes place in a really understandable environment. One thing that I really love about that sequence is the way that it kind of keeps changing what's happening, even as they keep sort of doing the same thing, if that makes any sense. They go through different yeah. sections. Yeah. Um, they're just very good in this franchise at figuring out ways to up the ante and to put their people in to put Tom Cruise into this corner that feels you know pun intended impossible to get out of and to find a way out of it Um, I I just think that they're really enjoyable I think the the filmmaking is really uh, just kinetic and fun Um, and you know, we were talking slightly about the cast. You know, there's some newish cast members, some brand new cast members. I really love the way that these films utilize Vanessa Kirby because she's this very Perfect. interesting, like, uh interesting person to look at, not just because she's like obviously very beautiful, but she has these kind of like like strange facial expressions and is able to sort of like be a bit mysterious. And I like that they lean into that with her. Uh But. For, I mean, I don't know about you. I thought Pam Clemente was a huge, huge standout in this film.
0: Bro, she is too good in this movie. They were talking about how she... she I looked at her outfit, this black braid outfit. She said she picked it out herself. And then on <laughs> top of that, uh, a lot of the sequences where she's like chasing them, she has this big grin on her face.
1: Mm-hmm. And what
0: they did was take, not necessarily B-roll... But shots where she was just having too much fun driving around and they kept them. And she's like, no, yeah. I'm going to look psychotic. Then she sees the final cut and they're like, whoa, that looks crazy. It makes yeah. her character look like she's so into it. No, nah, she was definitely a standout for that. Uh, I heard her talk about how it has been 10 years since she came to Hollywood. She started an old boy. Yeah. Not knowing English. Spike
1: Lee's old boy.
0: Yeah. yeah. And now Guardians, this, nah, bro, she's a standout. Um, you mm-hmm. saw that thing about her doing a bunch of uh, flips out of the helicopter?
1: Oh, actually, no. Tell me about it.
0: Uh, I guess she's been doing 60, she's, she's skydived 66 times and people are like, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're coming back. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're going to see you do more stunts. So I, I'm excited For to sure. see what they're going to do with her. I'm excited, like you said, with Vanessa Kirby uh, rewatching the first one. Her mom's in the first one. So they've been taking hmm. their time building out the lore. Uh, her her mom as in the, the, character, yeah, the character that the character she plays and I'm like okay that's pretty interesting uh, I had also heard in interviews that another person that they brought back from the first movie had uh, a lot of his lines just done by him and <laughs> you can tell there is uh, what I will say about a lot of the performances in this movie is that it's all in the eyes of wincing so obviously Tom Cruise likes to do his uh, his little stares but mm-hmm. e- even with this man uh, Kirchich has this one scene that you see in the trailer. Where he's kind of telling Ethan, like, you know, things aren't going to go well for you, and you could just see his eye, like they—they haven't been taking their vitamins. Uh, mm-hmm. they everyone just stood out. Um, I also did you did, like, like
1: Shea Wingham? I love Shea Wingham in this movie.
0: Shea Wingham did a fantastic job, dude. Mm-hmm. Um, and Tarzan, who was in um. Top Gun. He brought several people from Top Gun. Uh, yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, shoot, what's his name? Even um, the dude
0: who, who played Warlock, He he's in one of the sequences when they're all gathered together, but... Uh, yeah. No, they just they all play off well each other, dude. They, they, they do a fantastic job.
1: I particularly like that in this movie uh, they were able to do so many allusions to the first film. You know... Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, by the way, that actor is Charles Parnell, uh, who is in both Top Gun Maverick and this um, re- really, really commanding presence. But... Uh, like, I like how in this film they bring back a lot of the Dutch angles that Brian De Palma was using in moments there. Uh, they brought back mm-hmm. the close-up sleight-of-hand magic that Ethan Hunt would do <laughs> in the first film.
0: <laughs> that caught me off guard.
1: Yeah. Like, even, even just like you said, returning to Kierchurch, they they do a lot of, like, connecting this back to the roots of the Mission Impossible franchise without making it, like, some kind of, uh, what do you call it, retconned. Sequel thing,
0: yeah. You know, I'm curious because uh, without getting into too much spoilers, they really push this uh, little flashback sequence that you see with uh, SIE's character, the the character right. of Gabriel. I guess that's like, a
1: bit of retconning for sure.
0: It's not even that it's retconning; it's just adding something where if you rewatch the first one, like his whole team dies in the first one. I think that's all he needs. I think right. I think a whole group dying is better to connect with this whole group maybe dying mm-hmm. than having to add a love interest but uh, again i've been hearing this new tech that they want to push in terms of maybe doing some de-aging and they said that they had filmed some stuff and then kind of straight away from it but you do see it on SIE's character so they they've kind of already worked something out there but i'm again very curious to see how they're going to take it how they're going to wrap it and overall I highly recommend watching Fallout because they have not been tapped since, in my opinion. <laughs> but overall, uh, where, where does it rank for you? And even more than that, I have to ask you. I don't know where the, where, where this came from. Mm-hmm. Mission Impossible 3 or Mission Impossible 2?
1: Yeah, I feel like every couple of years the answer changes to that question. I'm, I'm not really sure why that, like, suddenly everybody hates 3 again. Or, sorry, hates 2 again.
0: Um, no, they hate 3 again. I'm seeing some hate for two. I, I'm seeing the justified hate for two that should always be there. <laughs> I mean, look, I'm going I'm going three, personally, oh, if okay, I'm choosing yeah. between them. Same, yeah. No, I've been seeing a lot of hate for three. The, the two has been justified. I like there was yeah. this one uh, quote that someone had said. It's like, it's fun. It's great. But y'all are ignoring the other, like, hour and 50 minutes of that movie. <laughs> I don't hate two. I don't hate any of these movies. Yeah, um, I think they're all fun. But it's been interesting to see people revisit
1: them. I think uh, this is my least favorite of like the latter half, right? Like there's that that split between three and four where it feels like the franchise kind of goes in a slightly uh, different direction. And of those films, I think this is my least favorite, but I I really liked all those movies. So it's not really like a knock against this one.
0: Yeah, I I feel weird saying that, but that was exactly my point coming out of it. And you could definitely tell that it's uh, uh, Chris McCrary's you know, addition to it and what he's been able to do with it. And I like it. I'm I'm curious to see where they take it next. Do you miss the fact of, uh, the, uh, the approach that they used to have of having a bunch of different directors going from JJ, going from Wu, going from De Palma?
1: Um, I do. I kind of like the sort of ability to give it a fresh set of eyes or or kind of refresh it. But, Mm -hmm. you know, Macquarie has developed this really, really well, really strong working partnership with Tom Cruise in the past few years. And I don't know, man, they're, they're making good movies. So I don't really want to complain about making good movies, but I also think Makes it'd be sense. really cool to, to bring in some interesting new voices that said, like mission possible was doing that before it became like a really common thing to do. And now, you know, that's what Marvel does is they just try to find, you know, the interesting new director to bring in. Yeah. I don't
0: know. So I, it, it helps also have consistency, but it's been a yeah. good run. That's really all that matters. Totally. Uh, so we both recommend it. I would say go out to a theater to watch it. I've heard good things about the Screen X uh, and the 40X. I've said my thoughts on the IMAX over on LME, uh, but the Dolby is probably the best way to catch it. I think they're really knocking it out of the park with that one right there. Nice. So. Uh, next up, really quickly, is a movie that we have a whole review for that came out of South By. There's been a lot of comedies yeah. out there. Joyride by Adele Lim, starring uh, a slew. Of what I consider some of the funniest people out right now, because mm-hmm. they've all been in different things. Sherry Cole is about to be in uh, one of my favorites. I, I think you also really liked it. Shortcomings, one yeah. of one of my most quotables out of uh, Sundance. Uh, obviously, you have an Academy Award nominee, should have won. In Stephanie mm-hmm. Sue, who I keep forgetting. I, I'm 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 wrapping up. Um, Mrs. Maisel. I keep forgetting yeah. she's in Mrs. Maisel. Mm-hmm. Like this cast is in everything. Uh, so. And-
1: but even more so than, like, they're in everything, it, it's one of those movies where it feels like this. they got all these people before they're not going to be able to afford to get all these people in a movie like this.
0: Exactly. And, hey, I think they play off each other extremely well. I think we're in that era of raunchy comedies where it's kind of difficult to review comedies because when things get so raunchy, like, I made a no way, uh, No Hard Feelings video. Mm-hmm. I liked it. But people either thought that I hated it or liked it, depending on what side they felt the move they were on for the movie. And it's like, right. ah, you're getting to this point where it's like, I don't know, policing jokes, ironically, by the people who want jokes to be as free as they can be, <laughs> makes no sense to me. Uh, mm-hmm. Don't be a, uh, you, you got me here, don't be the critic. The, don't be a uh, Lights like Camera Jackson when you're coming <laughs> into these comedies, okay? They don't have to be for everybody. But yeah. When they hit, they hit. Let loose. That's the point of these comedies here.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people are going to have, like, a lot of fun at this movie. There are a lot of, like, just ridiculous, insanely raunchy uh, moments in this film. For me, where it maybe, like, faltered a little bit is I didn't feel like the story had much cohesion or or much flow. It kind of was just like smash cutting from scene to scene to scene in a way that didn't necessarily let certain moments build to kind of like what felt like a proper climax, but that's, you know, some pacing issues aside, like it still made me laugh out loud several times. And ultimately that's the main reason to go to a comedy. So, you know, if you're looking for something raunchy, I think it's totally worthwhile to watch, you know, if not in theaters, then uh, definitely once it hits VOD.
0: For sure. Uh, And then one of the last ones that we have here is Insidious, the Red Door. It wrapped up what is supposed to be a uh, long-running trilogy with stuff in the middle for the Insidious franchise that brings together the family from the first movie, who you saw kind of go into the further, this other dimension where the ghosts live in order to retrieve their son. And then in the second one, the dad gets stuck in there. So now the son's got to go in there to go get the dad. Uh, and since then, they had some spinoffs, uh, some kind of like sideways stories that they were telling with some of the other characters. And now your boy, Patrick Wilson, is doing his directorial debut, mm-hmm. coming back to act. And then on top of that, he's got, he's got the closing song in the movie. I don't know if you heard about that. He sings. I actually did not. Over the credits.
1: Oh man! Now I have to go band. see it in theaters.
0: Now you have to go see it in, in theaters. On top of that, do you know who his wife is?
1: Uh ju I definitely knew this. Remind Succession. me? Oh oh yeah, uh uh Dagmara, right? So,
0: yeah. I did not know that, dude. Her Twitter's adorable, the way that she's been supporting him. I, yeah, I, go go, go! scroll through her stuff. It's been very interesting, uh, especially even some backstory that she's had for the finale of Succession uh, that I would recommend. But uh, she's been supporting her husband who's been making surprise appearances for people who want to go see the new Insidious movie. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I like the Insidious franchise. I think it's decent. Uh, I like what one and two do with each other. I think it was really cool to bring them back over here 10 years later to be able to wrap up that story that I think it was needed. Is it the best horror movie? No, (laughs) Uh, it's not the scariest one. It uh, promises some scares from past ghouls being demons that uh, they don't fully deliver. But I I like the story, right? I I like what they were presenting and bringing this family back. And if you saw the first two, I think it's able to close out uh, a lot of the themes that were going on with this family. It's definitely one of those franchises where, you know, it's a it's a it's a domestic family drama first kind of packaged within a horror movie. Right. Um, and and this one kind of lost it a little bit, but I think it still wraps it up well.
1: I had heard that the original version of this film was a lot starker, a lot more of that family drama that you feel it sounds like you kind of connected to and that mm-hmm. eventually they went in and did a lot of reshoots to add scares because they didn't think it was quite enough of a horror. Do you feel that the scares are kind of, you know, shoehorned in there in that way? I don't care for any of the scares in this movie. Yes.
0: Like, none. Absolute, there, there is nothing that happens in here. That, uh, other than the one that you see in the trailer already, which is the uh, the, the CAT scan one. Uh, mm-hmm. Everything else, it, it's irrelevant to me. It's more so this idea of, like, how can you have trauma kind of be a, a metaphor through a haunting that happened in your past? And do you choose to suppress things, or do you choose to kind of wear those things on your sleeve? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I agree with Pink Sweets. You, you can tell he loves what he was doing. Love and go make a great movie, but I appreciated the effort that he put in there. So for me, it is definitely one that you should wait uh, till you're at home. Uh, I'm working on a longer LME because I do think watching it after one and two, it, it works a lot better, even though you can definitely tell it's not the same director behind the camera. But hey, we'll see where he takes it from there. Yeah. Maybe his music career. <laughs> Never know. Right.
1: Maybe he can use the music for career to fund another one of these. Um, <laughs> or actually, I don't think they need to. It made a whole lot of money at the box office. It I'm it? actually seeing now though. Uh, Patrick Wilson turned fifty two weeks ago. Should he have been on the actors fifty
0: and over bracket? Uh, th- maybe for directors, very soon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, perhaps, kind of, maybe. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't think he would have gotten far. I don't know who you would have put him with. I know right. you kind of match him up sometimes. I, Tony I think even with the youngins, yeah, wouldn't have done well for him. But
1: yeah, uh, I feel he's like bad. he's a. I feel like he's a guy who, like, I kind of want him to be one of the biggest movie stars of that. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, he, he, I don't know. It feels like he just sort of disappears a little bit and has fun just sort of enjoying his life as, like, a, a theater actor who occasionally dabbles in movies.
0: I like Patrick Wilson. I I think he's pretty chill and good for him. Uh, Audiences seem to really like it. I'm somewhere in the middle between that and the splat that was the critic score. But uh, you were right. That came in at number one, beating Indiana Jones. We don't talk too much box office, but Mm -hmm. uh, did you hear the thing about Elemental before we break down all the stuff that's out right now? Yeah, because we we didn't miss it.
1: Exactly. We talked about how it was this huge uh, disaster for Pixar and, you know, what are they going to do? And, you know, a few weeks in a row without any real PG competition, except from Ruby Gilman, Teenage Kraken, which like big (laughs) wolf. Say your review. Say your review. (laughs) I mean, she's just the dumbest protagonist I've ever seen, even in a kid's movie. Like (laughs) it it doesn't make any sense. fuming. It's just it's like turning turning red for people who don't want to turn on their brain. I don't know. Uh but it's definitely like even though I didn't love Elemental, it's definitely a lot worse than Elemental.
0: Damn, bro, is this out already? Out of your review, I was like, yeah, I'm not gonna go see, oh, pre-order. Yeah, I mean <laughs> that gets out tomorrow. <laughs> oh dear. Dude, it's oh. it's not it's
1: universal. So they do that 14-day thing sometimes. Has it's it already not in the top day? 10.
0: Oh I my think word. so. Sheesh. Well, yeah. I took Zach. I read Zach's Letterbox review, and I was like, "Okay, got it. Not going to it." So. <laughs> oh. uh, but yeah, what do you
1: think about Elemental working its way back into being like a financial success through through weeks in the top five because there's not really any other kids' movie to knock it out.
0: I think that we review movies and you and I don't review box office yeah. because reviewing box office sometimes is like making fun of Fran Dreschner for being overseas <laughs> with Kim Kardashian and then 20, not less than 24 hours later calling her a hero because she, she did a strike. Things change in an instance and I think yeah. we're in that era where when it comes to so many of these movies, uh, another one would be The Little Mermaid. I know there's a lot of you know, debates that were happening when it came to that movie. It's top five mm-hmm. worldwide. And it's crazy when you're looking at numbers, what is it, like six, seven, eight, and nine. And it's like you can't praise the latter half of the ten and then not the other ones that are in the top five. Obviously, there's a difference when you have like a Super Mario Bros. movie, right, with with right. what that cost and with the billion dollars that that made. Um, I think both you and I agree on these budgets being way too inflated. But we do pick and choose when a budget is too high or not. Act should not have that. Right? Um, what's it called? Uh, Indiana Jones. If, should not have that. that. Should not have that. But then you know who else has that? Mission Impossible is also mm-hmm. three hundred million dollars. So, mm-hmm. you know, where's the criticisms for that movie? Exactly.
1: Indiana Jones is being labeled as this gigantic failure, and people are not yet at least talking that way about Mission Impossible, though right? I mean, you know, some of that some of that plays into just like the the favorites we picked. You know, people are like, Why did they and even that- bother with this Indiana Jones movie? That's only Thank okay. You. But like we all want to see Tom Cruise almost right. kill himself jumping off of cliffs on motorcycles.
0: Exactly. So that's my only thing. I, I like Sometimes I can't really... I, you have to take it with a grain of salt, but yeah, uh, yeah. The elemental money really coming in on that latter half. And to me, the only thing that I would add to that point is that's what happens when you don't flip it on Disney Plus immediately. So <laughs> shout out for that. I, he- I heard it is about to come out uh, on digital maybe towards uh, the beginning of September. Um, but Letting It Breathe, I think is really good. Spider-Verse is about to come out uh, on VOD in the first week, if I'm not mistaken, of August. So we have that to look forward to as well. But... It's still in the top five. Like, yeah. I, you know, something like Top Gun did come out at the same time and was still doing money. Maybe Spider-Man still has that staying power. Um, I, I don't see Indiana Jones maybe having those legs. Uh, I'm surprised that some of these comedies are still up there. Uh, your girl hanging in there. She <laughs> cannot beat the Little <laughs> Mermaid, but she's still there. Uh, but one of the biggest ones. I know you have some thoughts, and we won't go too deep into it because sure. I haven't seen it yet, and you haven't seen okay. it yet. Yes. But, dude, <laughs> Look, all I'm going to say is you know how they're we- giving out those, those free tickets? yeah. Bro, I requested what? They'll send you a fandango code, and I think you can use the fandango code for whatever you want. <laughs> so if you want to see Alppenheimer in 70 right?
1: millimeter,
0: <laughs> let oh, the Lord pay for it. That's a good tip. That's a good tip. News or you can the, use. They might use it somewhere else, right? Yeah. Uh, there's been a lot of controversy with this movie and how it's been uh, you know, getting boosted at the box office. Yeah. What the story's about. Um, again, I haven't seen it to me. You know, all, all those stories to the side. It, it looks like a Christian taken. Um, mm-hmm. I've seen this type of marketing in the past with them, like, you know, paying for the movie tickets in order for people to go. Um, I think you and I would both agree. Uh, I, uh, get that to fund actually saving the kids. Can you imagine if your kid right. was missing and someone said, I'm going to help you by going to the movie theater? <laughs>
1: Exactly. Yeah. Like, it, it, you know, I think it's one of, the the thing that sort of is bothering me about Sand of Freedom, and like, take you know, a lot of people are being like, "Oh, it's not political or whatever." Fine. Let Let's remove politics from it. I, I feel like it's this thing that people are using to champion an issue without actually thinking about the things that would help fix that issue, right? Like paying $12 to see Jim Caviezel for two hours does absolutely nothing to solve the problems that you're talking about. And then turning it into some kind of like conspiracy that AMC theaters are trying to stop people from seeing this film by putting it in over 2000 different AMC theaters. Like, I I don't know. I feel like, a lot of people are revealing their priorities <laughs> in talking about a movie like this. And they're also revealing their, their lack of ability to do a little bit of reading about, uh, Tim Ballard, the man that this whole thing is based on. If I may. Yeah.
0: Wouldn't the same thing apply for when you watch something like *Joyride* and you're like, Whoa, four Asian leads spider verse and mm-hmm. the topics that it covers and many other movies. Would it not be sure. the
1: exact same thing? Sure. A lot of people choose to, uh, express their beliefs through like entertainment purchases and stuff like that and that's right right but i think there's sort of like a a fake importance that is is really really attached to something like this um and that 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 the tenor of the conversation is a bit different than like the celebration of of some of these other films Mm -hmm. um and also just like that this is a a person who has self-aggrandized and profited off of the same exploitation that he att- is, like, positioning himself
0: as fighting. Mm-hmm. I like the Woman King, though, and it turned <laughs> out that all of that was fake. <laughs> I like Flaming Hot, and that was <laughs> fake. <laughs> so I guess I gotta give Sound of Freedom a, a chance. I don't want to sure? say I'm excited to sure. go see it, but I got a Fandango code that expires yeah. in five days, so I, I think will be going to go catch it.
1: I think it's also a different thing to... Uh, adjust like ancient historical records or in, in create a fake story about a nacho chip than it is about child trafficking.
0: But that's that's a longer, longer discussion. The one thing I will say is we go to a lot of yeah. film festivals and we cover dozens of uh, child trafficking, hu- just human trafficking in general. Mm-hmm. No one ever, bro, no one ever cares. I've had yeah. them at the top of my list, right? Because I know the big thing right now is like, if you don't like it, you're this and if you do like it you're this conspiracy yeah. it's like it, it has not become about the movie at that point um and it's like unless it becomes a trending topic you you need to have this energy year round not just when it becomes you know every 4 years an issue uh a lot of the movies you know that I'm mentioning that we cover at these film festivals uh, they happen to be you know kids who are taken overseas a lot of uh, like prayers for the stolen uh, there was one from Chicago that we covered not too long ago, called uh, Noise. There's a lot of these stories that also get into the heart without having to have a lot of that. I, I won't even use the word propaganda, but just that display of of mellow being very melodramatic, right? Making yeah. these people who the story's about kind of be the front and center, like they're Batman. Yeah. My man went from being Jesus to, <laughs> to being a vigilante. Um, but in that, I, I do think that, uh, like you said, railing behind a movie and not railing behind... The, the actual movement, the cause, yeah. I think is a split difference. And it, to me, the only irony comes in is movies are movies, like them, don't like them. I think they could be profound. I will be giving an honest review when I catch it uh, the next time we're together. But the same way that some people feel that things are too much about identity politics in one way, it could also be the same thing in the other way and yeah ironically it becomes uh, an inverse of itself kind of like uh what i'll say with no hard feelings bro these people really hated my no hard feelings review ironically becoming the puritanical people who didn't <laughs> want to see no hard feelings oh it is ridiculous uh, but Ruby Gilman out in VOD tomorrow for everybody to catch. We should, be, we should make it I'm, a I'm waiting for your that. review.
1: I'm waiting for I, your, your review. I'm, I'm going
0: to have to jump on that. Uh, in the meantime, I've been too busy watching actually good animations. And Nimaya yeah. comes from a comic book artist. I, I believe it's a graphic novel. Uh, I have her like actual comic autobiography somewhere over here to the left of me. Um, I remember reading this book whenever it had come out. Okay. And I thought it was super enjoyable. I thought the characters, the artwork, the story, all of it was great. I remember they turned this into a movie. They were in, in production with it. And then it got shut down. And then it got revamped because, you know, I guess their, their quota numbers <laughs> kind of fell away from Netflix. And they brought it back after they complained about it, which should not have to be a process that needs to happen. But it is out now on Netflix. I thought it was a blast. I thought it was really fun. Uh, I love the animation, the style. Mm-hmm. It, it does everything that I think cartoons can do that you can't do with regular live action and making these over-the-top expressions uh, and hitting every emotion possible. And I also thought the voice acting was really great. Yeah. Um, And I remembered how much I really enjoyed the story from when I read it as a book.
1: Definitely. I mean, it's so enjoyable and so beautifully animated. I I really uh, love the style of it and the colors of it, particularly, you know, you just like Nimona being depicted in this particular shade of red that it ends up being like contrasted against most of the other tones of the film really makes her pop in a Mm -hmm. way that that's cool. Kind of like, you know, maybe not fully like spider verse, but has some uh, hints of that influence for sure. But there's just like a, a cool attitude to this movie too. Like it's a, it's a bit spunky. It's a bit uh, harder edged. I was surprised to see that it's rated PG. Cause it kind of feels like it, it skirts it that edge of being it. appropriate for children. Like it's definitely yes. not for like a, not for young children animated yeah. movie, but it's really, really delightful. Chloe Grace Moretz, I think in particular is giving like a really excellent vocal performance uh, as Nimona uh, but it's like those small details it's one of those films animated films particularly where they've managed to fill lots of little moments with enjoyable things I love like right before uh, Nimona and uh, Balth- uh, Balthasar. is it I, I'm forgetting uh, his first Ballister. Baluster yeah Yeah, Riz's character. Right before the two of them are about to, like, run somewhere, uh, Nimona, like, hums a little something, and that thing that she hums ends up being the score of uh, the scene that they're uh, about to go into. So, like, just Yeah, those little moments like that really elevate uh, something like this and gives you lots of little things to enjoy and appreciate about it.
0: Yep. I would highly recommend Nimona. Definitely catch it over on Netflix because... The other stuff that's on Netflix is just alright. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't think Zach caught these next two, and he ain't really missing much. But Bird Box Barcelona is out. Barcelona, th- the spinoff to what is I, what I consider the biggest Netflix movie, Bird Box. Like I remember when we covered that. Anybody who yeah. covered that movie back in the day, got. Can I ask with you a that. question
1: about that? Because like up? I agree with you, that was a huge, huge no, it's movie in the moment. I kind of feel like that movie has sort of disappeared from, like, the culture in a little bit. Like, it was the biggest movie for months, and I never
0: see anybody discuss it anymore. You know what? It's like Avatar, Zach. You know, when people ask, (laughs) where is that in (laughs) the culture? No (laughs) cultural footprint. But it's in the DNA somehow, just in the background. We never forget about it. I do feel that's what the first Bird Box was. And I, I don't love that movie. But like it hit at the right time right before a pandemic as well, and uh, I, I think it's what they've kind of modeled everything afterwards, especially mm-hmm. here because the spinoff now is that people are still covering their eyes, so they can't see this monster that kind of makes you take yourself out, but they're expanding it so that it's in other places. Uh, I don't think the cast is as strong. It's not a bad cast because you have uh, uh, Mario Casas, who has been in several Netflix movies. The one I would recommend the most is The Invisible Guest. I don't even know if it's on there anymore. Very good actor. Uh, on top of that, Georgina Campbell, who a lot of people loved in Barbarian. She's also in the, uh, Black, oh, the Black Mirror episode's on here. Hang the DJ. Um, so she's she's been in the Netflix circle. Dude, they got your boy from Babylon in here as well. So it is a stacked <laughs> cast through and through. And somehow the, the the crew that had Machine Gun Kelly, I think, was a better ensemble. Uh, mm-hmm. The story here is kind of goofy because now it's sort of a group where you have somebody who worships these aliens, demons, monsters, angels, whatever they want to call them. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there, there's some decent turns that the story takes. Uh But I don't think it justifies its making, I guess. The first one had a lot of elements uh, thematically that I thought were done pretty well, specifically because you had a really great performance from your girl, Sandra Bullock, about Mm -hmm. parenting and it kind of being a leap of faith. Here it's this idea of like, when do you go through so much trauma that that ends up becoming uh, something that blinds you? And, you know, I, I don't hate this take on the movie on this expansion of it it just kind of feels like one of many to come you know mm. they're gonna do like a Hogwarts thing where they're gonna take it you know just all across the globe and the only right. thing especially recently that has me in the back of my mind going like damn so y'all ain't got to deal with the guilds <laughs> <laughs> and
1: yeah, yeah watch for that new season of squid game gonna be a savior for Netflix
0: honestly right because now they're gonna be able to avoid a bunch of that stuff that's that's mm-hmm. That's how I see them taking it in the future. They do a mix of Spanish, English, and even some German in here. So uh, Hmm. they're just testing out their uh, international markets. It's fine. I don't think you're missing too much if you don't see it. But it does come from a duo of directors who have made what I consider not that much better, but a little better uh, pandemic movies, if you want to call it that, virus movies, uh, post-apocalyptic movies. Uh, I don't know if you remember Carriers. Uh, This one had Chris Pine, and it was them trying to survive. I don't think I ever watched this one. Oh, bro! It's a cl- it's an old classic. <laughs> <laughs> um, this would probably play in TNT if that was still around in yeah. that capacity. But yeah, uh, you know they're they're good in creating that environment. But I did not really fall for the characters as much as I barely fell for them in the first one. So Bird Box Barcelona is out. There is a comedy called The Outlaws, where Adam Devine plays a bank dude who is about to marry Nina Dobrev, which suspension of disbelief i guess and <laughs> her parents have never introduced themselves until now and they may or may not be these big international heist people and he just so happens to run a bank it's not it's not a great movie there was like two or three good 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 jokes in there uh, a couple mm-hmm. of them came from uh L'Oreal because he plays a security uh but other than that I realize I think I've said it in the past, so I'm just gonna say it again before I move on to the next one. Yeah, this man wants to be uh 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 yo, i am I blinking his name? Peaches. School of Rock. Oh, uh um uh, Jack Black? He wants to be Jack Black so bad. So bad. And the Outlaws is out on Netflix if you're curious <laughs> to see something that you could damn near watch and fast forward. It, it's Lil Rel it's was your favorite great. part about it? Easily. He's got some really funny moments in there. So, uh, And, and you know, Pierce Brosnan's always good-looking. Bro, they have, they have a James Bond joke in here. Whack. Absolutely whack. Some uh, last-minute ones before we get into TV. There was a documentary that came out of Tribeca called Wham! Decent, all made up of archival footage going through the band and specifically uh, not just how they came to be, but how they came to split. Uh, and ended up catapulting George Michael. Pretty decent one if you want to catch that over on Netflix. I have never really sat with Tom Segura's stuff, this was my first one of his that I sat. Is it bad to say he's like the acceptable Louis C.K.? This guy wants to come in, kind of test the audience a little bit, see how far he can ride it, and then come back? I, I feel like he's the, he's the standing Louis C.K. who's allowed to get Netflix deals. All right, all right. That's, that's all up. But dude, it, I've noticed, I, I listened to this one, and then I went back, and I listened to uh, the previous one that he had on Netflix. He begins mm. them just like Louis C.K. does. I'm a... I have a child, and people always said that pets are like children. Nah, I would kill my pet for my child. Nope, nobody <laughs> just testing the grounds here. It, yeah, again, Louis would take that even further. Right. But he kind of gets there as well. I don't know if you've ever listened to a stand-up, but he know got some, cool. some decent stuff in there. So if you're curious in it, his new one, it was one of the first that I heard. Not too bad, not too shabby. Check that All out right. over on Netflix if you're interested in new comedy specials. But if you're interested in the most comedic one of them all, The Idol has wrapped. <laughs> We've barely talked about it here. Amanda yeah. and Zach talked about the first two episodes. I know Zach hasn't finished the last two, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I've caught the first uh, three. No one finished the sixth because it never came out. But there <laughs> is so much behind the scenes. I want to make an LME on it, uh, breaking it down, all the cringe, all the satire out of what you've seen, Zach, how do you do?
1: <laughs> you know, it's funny because I do think there is there are elements of a good show like struggling to find their way to the surface. I think it's interesting to look at an overmanaged pop star and the like many voices that circle them trying to pull her one way or another and the yep. like demanding nature of it. All those elements of it I found to be interesting. But then there's this like culty in alluring uh weekend predator weird sexual game going on and it just does not sell any of that stuff at all and i i don't know if it's just how cringy the writing is or like uh abel's inability to really sell the like dark and mysterious handsome alluring guy thing cuz like he just does he's not this enigmatic a complex, layered performer. It's all very surface level, and and, and you know, is there he supposed chir- to be? And like, if you, if you want to take it that way, as he has in interviews, like they're not playing into that thing either. He he's either doing a poor job of being commanding and of being, uh, you know, that kind of brooding guy, or he's doing a good, a, a poor job of communicating that he's not that guy. And you're not supposed to think he's that guy. So I don't know if it is the performance or just the writing of it, but that whole half of the show to me just becomes like ridiculous and laughable. And just totally does not achieve what they're going after.
0: I don't think it's great. <laughs> I yeah. have a love hate relationship with, uh, oh, what's his name? Sam Levinson. I was about to say Esmail for a second. <laughs> He's still cleared. Uh, Levinson. I think he is a cringy white boy, nepo baby, who can make something as incredible as um, the first season of Euphoria. Right. Then he's made one of what I think is the cringiest, just one of the worst things out there in in terms of movies with – uh, damn. Malcolm you and remember? Marie? <laughs> Malcolm and Marie is just pure cringe. Uh, I still think Assassination Nation is worse than Malcolm and Marie. This feels like the edginess of what he thought he was doing with Assassination Nation. This feels like The Weeknd doing his version of Malcolm and Marie. But I find a lot of the criticisms uh, to kind of have already made up its mind – even though I feel like there's a lot of problems with the story that people have, right? Yeah. But wouldn't it have been the same story that Amy was going to do? Like, it's it's still the same joke, still the same punchline, just mm-hmm. with a different person telling it. So I feel like a lot of people are critiquing the premise that Amy was going to do as well. And now everybody cares about Amy, but none of y'all saw the girlfriend experience. That's all I have to say about it. I am not I, I don't want to defend it because there is some cringe mm-hmm. in this show. Yeah. But I think it's uh Sam Levinson's poor attempt of trying to be um what's his name? Paul Verhoeven. I right, think a lot exactly. of this stuff. You know, it went viral that one bit where the weekend says carte blanche. <laughs> <All laughs> carte blanche. Right? blanche i i knew immediately yeah that's a joke and yeah. i guess it's like why were people treating it like a drama there was someone who came in and went you know what if we treated this yeah. like a, a it's a silly a toxic show mask? it's a silly show and i, and I guess like this like the show but the elements of it that were already going to be there for amy's show as well were kind of i don't know i i think he's, yeah. he's supposed to be a joke i think they're all supposed to be a joke I think that uh, Lily's performance is pretty decent. I think the music, I think the way it looks is fantastic. But Mm -hmm. I don't think, like no hard feelings, I don't think they're supposed to be good people. Right. And that's my only thing. I think we can hate the show, but like where do we, like we were saying about budgets, where do we draw the line on when a show is supposed to be over the edge or not? I saw a Mm -hmm. lot of critics who loved Red Rocket now have a problem with Susanna's son being a 17 year old I, I, I'm i just trying to find the barrier yeah. there
1: well there is something to be said about tone and, and you know the, the, the yeah. way that a thing like is that is handled and like I'm willing to speculate that maybe the show could have been handled differently in terms of its perspective being a little bit more from the f- female perspective under Amy Simons but I, I do agree with you in that like sometimes when things like this happen and and you know I'm going to take it to one that I know that you care a a lot about don't in me. uh edgar wright being removed from ant-man i think people a lot of times like imagine this perfect version of a thing that does not exist and will it not exist been perfect,
0: bro. it would have been fantastic
1: <laughs> i like edgar wright too and
0: you know what i like amy simons but like we don't know we don't see what it was Thank you. so that's it yeah. right? we don't know what it was do i find it insane that she filmed 80 percent of it yes Ugh. yes i do I think that's ridiculous. I would love to release the Simon's cut. I would love mm-hmm. to freaking see that. But yeah. I also think that the cast that you have here is incredible. Uh, besides the weekend, he sucks. Like I, could, I I think people don't know how to like find a middle ground. But Lily's decent. Uh, Jane yeah. Adams is really good in this. Rachel mm-hmm. Senate. Would not take a project without not knowing what the tone would be. Divine Joy Randolph, I've been seeing what she's got on the horizon. It's nothing but hits, bro,
1: for her. The her the pair of her and Hank Azaria do crack me up on the show.
0: <laughs> we should murder him. Yeah, they needed more. <laughs> uh, so I uh, I think it is a cringe watch. If it, uh, to me, it's so trashy. Uh, Josh says Moses Sumney as well. I do got to give him a shout out because yeah. that man had a silky voice. They did him so dirty as well. Oof. Yeah, you know they're all treated like cattle in this. Show, but I, again, I think it is meant to be a trashy show from a guy who thinks that he's a provocateur and right. is trolling. And I think they all got exactly what they wanted. There's that meme going around about him saying we're gonna have the hottest show of the summer. I mean, by default, Zach, name another. By default, it was you're not gonna give it to trending. the bear. You're not gonna give it to the bear. The bear wasn't trending every week like this was. People are still complaining about this show. The bear is the best show of the summer for sure. Right. But after that. There's only one that the people are going to vent about until the end of the year. Hell, <laughs> the bear's not on, on the strikes. Man, they're, st- they're still getting hits out of this. Uh, the, the lady with the uh, – this is what happens <laughs> when you don't have good writers. You get the idol. That's mm-hmm. funny. I Look, I have loved the content that has come out of it. And uh, for that, the idol, season two, coming to HBO. They have not canceled <laughs> it yet. We will see where that goes. But, Zach, watch the finale. Then we'll have to come back we and talk to, about it.
1: We got to talk about it more at the end
0: of the month. For sure. Once you watch the finale, yes, we'll I have a lot to vent
1: about. Oh man, okay, <laughs> Again, okay.
0: I just think he's trolling. Uh, I I endorse it as a trashy sh- trashy show. Uh, one that I don't think is trashy, but is just fully goofy, is one that I know the intercuties have loved and is finally wrapped. And one of the very shows, you know, this is a big compliment for me. Yeah. That the moment I got that notification from Apple, I was putting it on. I was putting it on TV. Platonic mm-hmm. brings together. Rose Byrne, Seth Rogen, almost forgot their names, after they did a fantastic job in Neighbors, in my opinion, playing yeah. a couple, and now here, they're two people who were friends for a long time, but their differences caused them to drift, and now, after a divorce and such, they have come back together, realizing that they're kind of stinted adults, they haven't really grown up, they feel kind of stuck, and they're not really the best people to help each other out of that rut, um... But each episode to me has been very hilarious. They find new ways to just you know goof on each other, and they're they're just charismatic people, dude. Even when mm-hmm. they're so unlikable, they're just funny to watch together. Uh, I know you've yeah. seen a couple of episodes. Uh, I, I think you enjoyed it as well, right?
1: Absolutely. I mean, look, I think this is what we lost when theatrical comedies stopped really being a thing: is just people who ah, have this point. natural, this natural charisma, this natural chemistry opposite each other as you pointed out in their work in Neighbors, like they are just fun to watch in different situations, even if it's not like, you know, the most novel concept or the most, you know, profound drama. I just like want to see them interact and be silly and get put into silly circumstances opposite yes, each other. And, you know, the, this show is just a really great opportunity for them to to do those kinds of things and to get it up to misadventures and, you know, figure out ways to overcome it in the end. And I, I thought it was sweet. I thought it was really fun. Um, it's, you know, just a great showcase for how talented both of them are, uh, Rose Byrne in particular just gets to show off how like silly and slapsticky yes. she can be. She I, mopped them. Um, yeah. She mopped I don't know. I don't know if we talked about this in our uh, Best TV episode or just in the discussion we had afterward, but the se- special skills moment is just my favorite, like, two minutes of TV, maybe it's all so year. It's so Yes. It's so fun. Uh, and, yeah, just beyond them, too, the great cast all the way down, Luke McFarlane and J- uh, Guy Branham, who are both in Bros. Uh,
0: the guy, e- even all... uh, I had mentioned that, and the dude who directed Bros has a big thing to do with the show. Yeah, Nick Stoller. Boom. Uh yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, That's didn't he direct like... neighbors also? Damn, did he? Let me let me check that out. But yeah, no, keep going. Uh,
1: but all the guys that are at the bar with him as well are all really fun. You you pointed out yes. one of them has uh, a role on the Bear too. But yeah, it's it's just a uh, a really did, good right. hang. Uh, and yeah, there's a reason we both had it in our honorable mentions for best TV of the year so far. And Amanda, I think, had it on her list too.
0: Hey, it's one of the very few that I can see. Oh, he did Friends from College, bro. I love that show. Yeah, Nick Stoller is really good, and we
1: should give him money to make more theatrical romantic comedies, because he's kind of got that tone down. He did
0: your movie. Yeah, that's my boy. I love Nick Stoller. Oh, that's your boy, then. Yeah. Okay, all right, then. Damn, well, (laughs) we highly recommend it. Platonic over on Apple TV. It has wrapped. Uh, I still see the hyphen. I mean, they end it, like, perfectly, and I don't don't think it should continue, but damn, I wouldn't complain, you know? I wouldn't wouldn't complain complain to see more of them hanging out.
1: I always used to spell it Plutonic. I, I I think this show is like the thing that's gonna help me remember that it's Platonic, plutonic. not Plutonic, and it's not related to the god Pluto or Plutonium. <laughs> it's it's two friends.
0: Well, we don't believe believe in Platonic relationships. Uh, Zach and I, <laughs> we've been together for too long. I I don't want him with anybody else. Yeah, uh, but I do want him watching the new Steven Soderbergh uh, series, TV yeah. series. Called Full Circle. I thought it was going to be all six episodes, but they are releasing it weekly. And they dropped the first two that has all of these interweaving stories of kind of a murder that happened and and rituals in order to be able to take revenge. Have you caught mm-hmm. any of this, Zach?
1: I haven't, but I'm absolutely going to because it's a new Steven Soderbergh project, and that always piques my attention. But I do want to call attention to that it's not just Steven Soderbergh. This comes written by his frequent collaborator, Ed Solomon, who, aside from writing No Sudden Move, which I think is like a highly underrated film. uh, Remember that heist film Soderbergh did a couple of years ago? Yeah, Um, with uh, The scroll. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but Ed Solomon's the guy who wrote Men in Black, and he yes, wrote sir, Now You See that. Me, and uh, he's, he's done a lot of really excellent stuff, so comes not just from a great writer, but a great a Super <laughs> director. <Mario> Super <Bros. laughs> <and laughs> The original Super Ambulance Mario Bros. To, uh, damn. All yeah, right. yeah. Alrighty. So Ed Solomon, legend.
0: Shout out to him, but I will say this. It is a little goofy sometimes. Okay. It- but it, but it's not crossing the territory where you're like why would it, why would they write a character like that you know it's not blaming the mistake on the writer it's it's like why are these characters so dumb and, <laughs> and so far I'm giving it the leeway because characters are allowed to be dumb it's when they start you know just being more inconvenience of the plot uh, or the story that uh, it kind of gets in the way but right now boy they have been frustrating me you'll have characters that are you know maybe responsible for a kidnapping that's happening. And mm-hmm. just everything that they do seems counterintuitive for what it should be. Um, Zazie Beats plays uh, like a detective in this, and she's like, I don't know, maybe like kind of asking her superior if like she can maybe get. <laughs> what are we doing here, bro? You know, there's just some, <laughs> there's just some in and outs of this show that I, I don't fully understand. But I, yeah. I look, I, I watched the first two episodes back to back. I'm I'm gonna see it through. Um, I'm just a little iffy on some of the characterizations here, but other than that, it's sh- it shot the way Soderbergh, you know, get gets right in there, especially because a mm-hmm. lot of this takes place in New York, and there's like a whole tense sequence that happens in Washington Square Park. So uh, have this on your radar, Zach. I, oh. I, I I'm hoping that it uh, wraps up very nicely. But I heard they
1: got my man Jim Gaffigan eating a hot pocket in this show. Stop.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a burrito. But the first thing I yelled out <laughs> is, I swear, if we keep having these comedians just bring their sketches out to the big screen, <laughs> I can't handle it anymore. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's a burrito. But uh, to you and me, yeah. Well, I'm gonna it's call a, hot, it a pocket. hot pocket. It's a hot pocket. <laughs> uh, another HBO one, or Max one, uh, My Adventures The one Super to watch. Man. It is uh, pretty decent in terms of, like, a brand new retelling of your basic Superman story. Him Mm -hmm. coming into terms with who he is, him meeting uh, a really cute Lewis Lane, a very funny, um, what's his name? Jimmy? Jimmy Olsen? Jimmy Olsen, yeah. them just trying to make it as, you know, interns in the Daily Planet while he's also kind of learning about his past. It's your standard story. I don't know what it has to do with Adult Swim because that's who's also, like, kind of co-credited with it. But really good voice acting from everyone involved. And I think the animation is nice and clean. Um, Hasn't blown me away yet, but, like, if I had a kid, this is like, wow, this is exactly how I would want their introduction to Superman to be, you know? If
1: if I haven't caught any of this yet, but I, you know, I saw some Superman cartoons when I was younger. Are there mm. any, like, discernible differences from, like, the cartoons we grew up with? Or does this really feel, like, in spirit with those?
0: I think it's in spirit. Like, I mean, unless you're saying that, you know, <laughs> they did kind of change the characters around him a little bit. To me, that's mm-hmm. irrelevant. It's the exact same thing. I was, you know, because I saw the Adult Swim thing. I thought they were going to pull an Invincible, you know, <laughs> like like started all nice, and then all of a sudden things were going to get crazy. It hasn't gotten there yet. It's still very family friendly, and I think it's that spirit of it that people have been missing from Superman, and this got it, this this gets it, and some. So I'm very excited. I think uh, Quaid, he's been doing a fantastic job as a voice, um, and the way that they've been uh, flashing back to him being as a kid, and and now older. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to see how they continue. So that Very is cool. my adventures with Superman. But before we get to our picks of the week, Zach, give a big shout out to all the inner cutie patrons yes. who support us over on patreon.com. Let's do it. Let's
1: thank the Inner Cutie patrons, the wonderful people who support this show. Uh, our Academy-level members are Tushar, Cademan, Connor, Josh, May, Ricky, Joe, Janicia, Tyler, Shut and out. Benji. And, of course, the big thanks goes to those producer-level patrons who hey, are yeah. Udenveer, Veer, Sam, and Wiley. Thanks again for all your support and a reminder that you, too, can become a member at patreon.com slash intercut pod where you can sign up for patron benefits like getting early access to some intercut episodes access to private channels on the intercut discord where you can chat with us throughout the week or access to the monthly patron google meeting where you can chat with us online we're doing our our next one tonight so not too late to join for as little as one dollar a month and come hang and come chat movies tv culture whatever with your intercut boys
0: yeah, Sound of Freedom. Uh, Sex, anyway. trafficking, and how we're going to end it here on Intercut.
1: Uh, so, yeah, $1 a month to join the the Tim Ballard fan club over on Patreon.com. <laughs> <Chill, dot>
0: <laughs> so, bro, I want to talk so much more about that movie because the conspiracies have been crazy. I, I actually think that's the funniest part. Yeah. Um, but let's talk about our picks for the week. Starting off let's with just it. you know some housekeeping because we have the biggest movies. Right as a strike happened, and none of them oh, are going to be in more premieres. How does this happen, dude? Uh, we're going to have to make an entire thing for the Emmys, as well mm-hmm. as the, uh, the 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 strikes, because I think it's going to go hand in hand, because that's one of the biggest things being affected. But right off the bat, there are going to be Barbie blowout screenings. I Look, I don't understand why they call it blow. uh They're having one right now. Like I said, I'm here recording this, but I left a sea of pink as they were gathering for the Dolby. I've got my tickets for this early one, though. They are probably all sold out. We did mention this before we went on our break on our last stream, that you can catch it one day early in Dolby, since they're all duking it out for the big formatted theaters. Um, And then obviously it comes out Thursday as it battles with Barbenheimer, which is my personal pick for the week. But you got some Barbs? Did you?
1: Well, I'm just wondering if you're booking a Barbenheimer double screening or if you're going to separate them into two different nights.
0: I got something better. Uh, I'm going to have to make a, a Barbenheimer LME release. That, that's where I've decided. <laughs> I, I'm going to have to do the two separate ones. Uh, nice. Right now, this is, this is how my schedule is going. Tomorrow, we have uh, Oppenheimer. I keep saying Oppenheimer. 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 Oppie, yes. Uh, like the ops, yeah. Oppenheimer tomorrow. I was going to travel all the way to Indianapolis to go watch it because they had a press screening. But instead, I'm going to watch a 70 millimeter at home. Not at home, but in Chicago. From there, I am then going to go to the Indianapolis Theater at Indiana State Museum in Indianapolis, Indiana. <laughs> and catch one there. Then I'm going up to Michigan for their brand new Celebration Cinema Grand Rapids North IMAX screening. Both which are gonna be in 70 millimeter. We're going to put this up. I don't even know if I can edit it right now. I'm gonna have to edit it afterwards. We're gonna post this link right here because a lot of people have made it very confusing, and I'm not gonna lie. I'm a nerd, we're nerds, we get it. But it's very difficult to understand the difference between 70 millimeter IMAX, regular mm-hmm. IMAX, 70 millimeter, 35mm. I just want to see Laser. the movie. Yeah. There's too much going on, uh, but I'm going to post this and I'm going to put it simply as this. Watch the movie wherever you can. Yeah. If there is ever a difference, it's this link that I'm going to post. Only 30 theaters in the country. I'm making the trek to go see it zach just needs to go back home but if you have one near you i implore you in the next three weeks while it's playing a lot of people talk about like the size of the screen and they say they don't care nah, 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 nah. if y'all posted an instagram image a twitter image and it's been cropped you do care you do care okay mm-hmm. but on top of that everyone's watching this in 4k and if you watch this in 70 millimeter that is 18 18k you cannot tell me that's not a difference up on the screen. So do yourself a favor. Go check it out. Um, I'm watching that three times. I'm going to try to watch Barbie twice. And then I'm hoping to do a, a, a release of, of a Barbenheimer yeah. um, feature right there. But you, you got yours for the same day.
1: Uh, I got my first screening of them both for the f- same day, and then, like you said, I'm going to come back and see that beautiful 70-millimeter IMAX projection of Oppenheimer. Because, like, if there is a filmmaker out right now who you kind of want to give, like, the best the- theatrical experience possible, I mean, it's probably got to be Christopher Nolan or-, or James Cameron. And, you know, if I'm choosing between the two, I, I kind of want to go with the practical effects
0: of Christopher Nolan, if I'm Easy. being real honest. This man said I he shot got a... dialogue scenes. <laughs> In IMAX, like, for, look at this. Like, yeah. someone had asked me. They were like, "What? It's not even action. Aren't they just talking?" Right? And I'm like, "Yeah, talking in 143 IMAX, talking in 18 ki am gonna take it. Yeah. yeah. What, what I still me? got
1: uh, 15 hours left in my Oppenheimer audiobook, so I gotta, <laughs> I gotta get through get this by it.
0: Thursday. I saw one YouTube video and I was like, "Yo, this movie's gonna be crazy." <laughs> no, this movie's gonna be really good. Uh, oh, I, yeah. I want to make a breakdown on the IMAX. We're gonna have a whole spoiler talk for the movie for the IMAX. For Barbie, all of that coming up uh, after the weekend, but it, it's hey, this to me is the biggest, biggest weekend in movies. Uh, and, and to think that you're still sitting on an Indiana Jones movie, and and a Mission Impossible movie, which I I, I would want to see again in 40x, and it's not even my favorite Mission Impossible. Mm-hmm. But I gotta watch Oppenheimer three times, three hours. I gotta watch nine hours of Oppenheimer first <laughs> before I put it back in. But in between. Yeah. I also have American Gladiators that is out Ooh, on Hulu. Okay. Uh, I want to say you can get it without the ESPN subscription, but this actually comes from the boy, Benjamin Berman. Uh, if yeah. you remember, this is the guy who made one of the my favorite documentaries. Amazing Jonathan. I love that documentary, and he takes that same approach here. I will say this. He is annoying. <laughs> he, like, I heard it for the, for the Amazing Jonathan documentary, but boy does he force himself into the narrative so many times. But then, damn it, does he come out with something special on the other end because of how obnoxious he gets with it? Um, This is such a good doc that Netflix made a bunk doc. This is the official documentary. And then Netflix immediately flipped that one that was on the top ten for like a couple of days, the unauthorized one. dude, Do do not watch that. Watch it if you just, I guess, want some extra coverage. This is the reason why Netflix made a copycat documentary. Right. This one's really good. And it ends on a... Banger. So, Catch Us If You Can, it is in two parts over on Hulu as a part of their 30 for 30s, which I've always been a really big fan of, the American Gladiators documentary. Uh, On top of that, A Fire is the newest one from Christian Penzalt, who I absolutely adore. I think he makes really good movies. This is a story of a group of people who... Meet up kind of like at an Airbnb, a loft. It's not even a rental because one of them owns it; their parents own it. And there's a fire that's kind mm-hmm. of approaching, but because of the wind, you know, it's kind of it's kind of over there for right now. And they're kind of dealing with a lot of internal uh, drama as the main character is trying to write a novel. Really good. Tr- had a Tribeca premiere, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, mm-hmm. Also played had a couple of other festivals. It's getting a limited release right now. I would uh, recommend it if you wanted something new. And uh, would you,
1: com- how would you compare it to like Phoenix or Undine? Do they have like a, a similar kind of like, I-, I don't know, like uh, like underneath the surface fire burning, if that, that makes any sense?
0: Yeah. Uh, so nothing's ever going to touch Phoenix. Ever. Yeah. Um, I mean, that ending is, alone. Yeah. To me, this is like superior. This, this one's way better than Undine, in my opinion. And I don't think Undine is a bad movie. I-, I need to watch that one again to connect with it even more. But this one made me want to watch it. Uh, I don't want to say immediately afterwards, but to just see the characters and how they perceive certain things because they're all holding a lot of emotions within themselves. It's a soft movie, but I like the ending. He, he almost hits you with like this crazy banger of an ending that you think, hey, "Is he gonna phoenix this in here?" And he doesn't mm. really, but maybe he did. I don't know. <laughs> Gotta catch the movie. Um, it, it's it's uh. It's been one of my favorites uh, as of late. I will will say that. So Catch a Fire, if you have it playing near you, I think it's definitely a good independent movie. Uh, And then wrapping it up with two series, The Horror of the Lotus Roach, which is over on Amazon Prime. This feels like a sitcom that is rated R. This comes from a podcast that was on Spotify about this uh, woman who served jail time, comes out and then starts working as a masseuse who (laughs) accidentally kills people. And because she's working underneath an empanada shop, well, they come up with new flavors, Zach. I will leave it at that. Uh, It is not perfect, but there are some elements to it that that the parts where it feels too sitcom-y. Because uh, Justina, she's in uh, One Day at a Time. She's got this very, Mm -hmm. like, you know, she's a good actress, but sometimes this is very, like, sitcom delivery. Right. Because of how messed up, and that's what I'll give it, they they do some messed up things. I was not expecting it. It makes it feel even worse. It makes it feel mm-hmm. wrong. So it, it's a total of eight episodes. There are some uh, surprise appearances, cameos towards the end of the series. And uh, we just wrapped it. And I, I, I would recommend it if you want something demented to watch. The Horror of the Lotus Roach over on Amazon Prime. Uh, and then something funnier. Which would be Survival of the Thickest, which is produced, I think, written, starring everything by Michelle Bouteau. She's been like a, a really funny side character in a lot of things. Um, I really liked her in uh, – I can't even find it in here – a movie she did for Netflix. It was literally just like a cameo that she had uh, with Gina Rodriguez. Oh. Uh, Someone should... great. Yeah. Uh, she's been an isn't it romantic Russian doll she's a standout to me every time I see her in, in in a show or a series and here she's running it she is uh like she's that's all raven damn near. she's mm-hmm. she's a, a fashionista who's helping several people and and like each episode has her kind of with another client while her like friends are also kind of going through their own stuff it has made us crack, crack out loud a, a lot of times and uh, I would put it on your radar if you want another funny show we finished platonic went directly straight into this platonic still just a little funnier but this Mm -hmm. is a little raunchier. and hey 2023 thank you for bringing back the raunch so uh put this one on your radar if you wanted something funny over on netflix but zach tell me what you got
1: well you talked about a new soderbergh series earlier but it's not the only new soderbergh series Stephen surprise dropped a show called Command Z on his website, extension765.com. And I'm really curious to check it out. It's about a scientist who uh, undertakes a mission to travel back in time to revise history and save the world. And it stars Michael Sarah, who, I mean, I just really enjoy Michael Sarah. speaking of Barbie and stuff. I feel like he hasn't been the center of a project in a little while. He's very picky and choosy about what he'll attach himself to but the idea of him at the center of a Soderbergh series sounds really appealing to me it's also got Roy Wood Jr. who I think is very funny in some film appearances but the thing one of the other things that I'm really intrigued by is that Stavros Halkias is in this I don't know if you've seen any of his like tweets or stand up but he's just one of these guys that like you know when you see somebody cast in a project and you're like I didn't even know casting directors were aware this person existed I'm just, I'm just okay. curious to see how Soderbergh wants to implement him here.
0: That, okay. I saw this guy be talked about with the still of him in a Soderbergh project. And yeah. I literally went, he wasn't in full circle.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's because there's a whole other Soderbergh project out there.
0: Whoa. Okay. You're going to have to send me some of his tweets. I, I don't know this guy like that, but interesting.
1: <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I'm I'm definitely curious about uh, Command Z, whatever's going on there. Uh, but speaking with t- st- sticking with TV, let's talk about Minx, which was canceled on Max tragically and then triumphantly resurrected by stars. We all love stars. We've never said anything bad about stars. Never love and, it. And uh, it's going to be the home of Minx season two starting on Thursday, I believe it is. Isn't that so, crazy? the yeah, uh, the Jake Johnson led show about a uh, a women's magazine or well, erotic magazine yeah yeah there we go oh an erotic magazine designed for women uh and also just sort of like feminism in the 1970s the clashing of those elements i, I think it's a really fun show ophelia Lovebond who plays joyce the the lead on the show is really great on it i, I just really enjoy the way the show handles um, discussions of idealism versus the realities of capitalism and how those things kind of come to a head in different situations it's funny it's breezy it's well acted i'm hoping that uh it can stick around for a little bit on stars
0: uh it reminds me a lot of glow obviously they're different but yeah they kind of had that same energy and yeah hopefully it, it continues i'm glad comparison. they found another home definitely have you seen anything about quarterback no, over bro, on tell Netflix? Me, dude, no, it's, it was number 1. And I, I knew about <laughs> it because it's like covering them, but is it good? Yeah. Well, I haven't you really never seen, know with these sometimes.
1: I haven't seen stuff other than the Patrick Mahomes stuff, but the Patrick Mahomes stuff is really really cool. Uh this is a show that is sort of bringing you on uh, like sort of into the huddle if you if you were willing to accept that idiom and uh, behind the scenes of like what it's like being an NFL quarterback and from the moment to moments of it. And I just think it's it's got this really incredible access. Uh, you have in, in one episode, Patrick Mahomes walking, uh, walking you through his thoughts as he rolls his ankle in the middle of a playoff game and them str- uh, struggling to figure out like how to accommodate for that. And I don't know, I just love these... Uh, these shows that have really popped up, I feel like in the wake of stuff like um, All or Nothing or Sunderland Till I Die or F1 Drive to Survive that are are giving you a cinematic and an intense look behind the scenes of these professional sports. Um, so I'm excited to dive deeper into the show. I don't know if you've seen any clips from it at all or, or just
0: heard about it nothing i had had it on my radar for what was coming out uh for the week and i'm like oh okay it's like the the dallas what the dallas cowboys did but uh for hbo but it seemed like they were specifically focusing on people so uh, i'm very curious i i
1: I put the trailer on and and caitlin who does not care about football was even absorbed by it (laughs) because it's just got this like edge of your seat quality to it so yeah uh I I would. it looks like it's getting good reviews
0: all right absolutely we'll bump that up
1: uh Quick mention for Asteroid City because we've been mentioning it a lot on the show, but man, two weeks and done. It is already out on VOD.
0: People were saying it wasn't going to come out, and I'm like, bro, it's it's, right there. It's not universal, but yeah, that's what happens nowadays. You know this man. (laughs) Uh, Let me see if I can find him.
1: Uh, Oh, the one you quote tweeted? Sident?
0: No, 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 not that. Yeah, that was. Okay, I was just okay. disappointed because I think he makes really great content, and I'm like, come yeah, on, yeah, bro. Yeah. I don't like that. Yeah, yeah. That's separate. Uh, <laughs> but no, acting wise, uh, not pianist. Um, Glass Onion, bad guy, Fight Club. Uh, Edward, or, Norton. Edward oh, Norton. Oh yeah. Ken then he oh, said, he,
1: <laughs> said he got paid four thousand two hundred dollars to act in this movie.
0: Well, yeah. When you wonder why you'll never be able to make a Wes Anderson movie, maybe that's one of the many reasons.
1: Yeah, yeah. I definitely couldn't convince Edward Norton to do anything for four thousand. Wow.
0: Yeah, that man said he was losing money when it came to it. But uh, yeah. Well, we still got to talk about this one. Uh, I'm going up to bat. I'm going to rewatch Asteroid City now that it's out, and I'm going to rewatch go. what, what's the one that y'all hate, despise, <laughs> French Dispatch. Uh, and I'm going to fight for French Dispatch. And I'm going to. It's good. I'm going to give my uh, my. Uh, I don't know, my judge. Dissertation? Right. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Jeffrey Wright's really good in that movie. He's also Jeffrey good in Millian. this one. Yeah, so he's Jeffrey really Wright. good
1: in both of them. More Jeffrey he should Witt's be really in more Wes Anderson movies. He should be. All right, and we'll give one last shout out to Theater Camp. What? What am I doing?
0: Day and date? I thought there was a week.
1: Maybe it is a week in advance oh. that it's gonna be in theaters. I could be let, let's check right now. I'm going to hulu.com because very soon theater gonna, camp is are we gonna, gonna, are we gonna be? Play it? <laughs> <laughs> everybody get some popcorn um, yeah no theater camp it is uh, coming out very soon to Hulu and I think it uh, very excitingly was in theaters and had the best uh, per theater gross for is it Focus Features a Focus Features film since yes. Jojo Rabbit so there's wow, definitely a hunger for favorite? for this movie <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, look, I think there's a certain type of audience who either has been to these types of theater camps or, like, is intimately aware with the type of person who would go to these type of theater camps, arts camps. And to those people, this movie is going to be hysterical because you'll recognize so many uh, character traits, so many, like, little nuances and, and, like, types of personalities and types of drama that... uh, mattered so much when you were a young creative hoping to build a life in the arts and just seems so silly in this context. It's got uh, my favorite performance ever from Ben Platt. It's, yeah, I mean, where is he better than this? Uh, Molly Gordon, hysterical in this. Jimmy Tatro, very, very funny in this, but it's, oh, no, it. it's, it's Noah Galvin who actually steals okay. the show here.
0: Yeah, robbed it. Robbed all of them in the fourth yeah. quarter. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I mean, you were a big fan of theater camp as well. We, we talked about this yep. way back when we were at a Sundance.
0: Yeah, no, this is fantastic. Like Zach said, if you knew these people and you despise them, maybe <laughs> stay away from the movie. But I also think that it, it finds itself, you know, it, it's introspective enough for you to be able to laugh alongside with them. So even if every joke doesn't hit for you because you're not that close to it. I think there's still a good enough ratio in there and the characters are really funny and it has this energy to it because one of the things they described at Sundance was that it is an improv – like the whole thing is improv. The editing was the biggest pain because it was just them going in every direction and the magic they were able to do to bring it in I think is why it makes a lot of the moments really funny because they're all sporadic.
1: Yeah, you can definitely tell that like this is a film that was like assembled because the story really is piecemeal. The uh, title cards are doing a lot of the bridging scenes, <laughs> yeah. but ultimately, that's not the stuff that you care about in these types of Christopher Guest-inspired comedies. You'd want like very funny people to embody very funny characters and give funny line deliveries, and and this is, movie is full of stuff like that. So what was that thing uh, we
0: used to fill in the adjective? And Mad Libs? Mad Libs. This is Theater Camp Mad Libs. Mad Libs. I like and that. And it's pretty funny. So, yeah, uh, those are our picks for the week. Uh, going through them again. I guess you still get a couple of days to catch Zach's final pick in theaters before it comes out on Hulu. And it's actually Searchlight.
1: Yeah. Oh, it's it was the uh, highest per screen average for a Searchlight film. But, yeah, uh, right. check out Theater Camp in theaters if you can. If not, it's going to be on Hulu very soon. Uh, also, check out um, Asteroid City now that's available on VOD, my favorite Wes Anderson film in probably a decade, and one that Jeez. has just r- all the things you love about Wes Anderson, plus maybe a little bit more. <laughs> uh, a quick shout out to Quarterback, which is a great look behind the scenes of NFL quarterbacks over on Netflix. The Return of Minx for season two, now over on Stars, a really Fun uh, and interesting show about a women's magazine in the seventies, and then the boy Soderbergh with a twofer, a twofer, Command Z over on Extension Seven Six Five.
0: You know, I saw this picture of him, and then did no other research. (laughs) I thought this was coming out in the fall. Like I just, I looked at his face. Beyonce dropped it. Gotcha. Sheesh. It's it's not. Is it the whole thing? I think so.
1: Let me go. I'm going to go to the website now and tell you.
0: Episode guy TV mini. Zach pulls that up and we watch along with (laughs) y'all. I also had uh, a couple of shows with Survival of the Thickest over on Netflix if you want something really raunchy or if you want something violent and raunchy. The Horror of Dolores Roach over on Prime based off the podcast coming from Blumhouse. Uh, They also got Megan over there. Uh, in case you were curious to do a Blumhouse double feature. If you have an independent theater near you, go catch Fire uh, or, or stay at home and watch Phoenix because anytime that I can recommend Phoenix, I would highly recommend watching Phoenix. Uh, and then over on Hulu, don't watch the fake documentary on Netflix. Go to the real one, the 30 for 30, the American Gladiators documentary. It goes deep into seeking out these people uh, who created this legacy that, to this day, is still being mimicked. Um but, of course, it's all about Barbie. It's all about Oppenheimer. It's all about Barbie. It's all about Oppenheimer. I am excited for both. I'm just excited for both. I, I think we win. Yeah. We win. Exactly. That's all that matters.
1: Who, whichever one wins at the box office, we win for getting to see them both. What do you got, though? Well, just in terms of box office?
0: I, I've saved a couple of bookmarks of people going, y'all are delusional if you think Barbie's <laughs> going to make more than Mission Impossible. <laughs> After the blowout, uh, <laughs> alone, it sounds like it's beating the five days of Mission Impossible. Mm-hmm. Again, we've been talking a lot in this podcast that a lot of people live in a different reality. Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, I feel like it's Barbie's to lose. But at the same time, we know Nolan's got
0: that vice grip on theaters. He's got all those IMAXs, all those Dolby's. <sighs> He does. Personally, I'm going Sound of Freedom. I think Sound of Freedom is going to come out at the top. <laughs> the Up again. box office. Three to Up two to again. one. Other than that, uh, let us know your thoughts down below in the comment section on what you're curious for. That is all for this week's show. But Zach, let them know where they can find your thoughts as soon as you come out. He's going to leave with that with the <laughs> 70 millimeter reel. I heard they're giving some out. I, I hope you got one Ooh. in Virginia.
1: Yeah, I'll be asking my theater for sure. Uh, You can find more from me at (laughs) Z Shevich on Twitter or Letterboxd or Instagram. You can also check out more from me on my YouTube or TikTok channels at Multiplex Show. Where can people find more from you, Art?
0: You can find me at LME Movies on all social medias. I just started Threads. I'm thinking of deleting Threads. Yeah. I cannot delete Threads though. So <laughs> other than that, you can find us at. I just pod. got a
1: blue sky invite code. I'm, I'm swimming in social is, media now.
0: Is something like is that even worth it?
1: I don't know. Probably not.
0: You know, the best one is here on YouTube.com. Yeah. A reminder that you can listen to every episode of the Intercut Podcast on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, whatever you like to listen to. But here on YouTube.com is where we have the live chat. Is where we're streaming it first. And it's where we've been since, you know, Zach and I met each other back mm-hmm. when Christopher Nolan was not releasing everything in IMAX. And now now this new one is going to be completely like that. Uh, you can catch every episode of the Intercut Podcast and the Weekend Must Watch here every Monday. As we get back into it, uh, especially with August, a big shout out to all of the Intercuties who listen live, all of the patrons, and all of the iTunes listeners. We appreciate everyone who's left us some five star reviews because the more that yeah. we get, we have that goal. 255 star reviews? 255. I- I'm building it up now. <laughs> 255. Okay.
1: Five. Yeah. So, are, what are we going to do? Dress up as Barbie and Oppenheimer
0: or something? Or? I'll be the film reel. You can be
1: <laughs> Sounds good.
0: Uh, don't forget to leave us a comment, drop a like, follow the socials over at Intercut Pod, and until next time, let us know which one you're watching first. Barbie, Barbie or Oppenheimer? I'm going to Cobweb. Sound of Freedom.